with the tweet. Welcome in to a wild and wacky Wednesday here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton here with you as we are rushing to try and get situated, but I feel like we're getting there. And that being said, we're going to have a good show. We are going to have a good show here on, on Bernard Childress Day, as proclaimed by Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder at the luncheon that we were at that has caused us to rush. Yeah, yeah. Well, if <laughs> if there's anyone I'm willing to rush for, it's it's Bernard Childress. Absolutely. So, <laughs> longtime friend of the show and well deserved honor today across the street here in Columbia. As he was honored by the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative as their 2023 Legacy Award recipient and. Very few people in this community more deserving, if any. Maybe Krista Martin, who got it last year. There and that's go. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the list is short. It's a very short list. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, congrats to Bernard and, and so happy to uh, to have been able to share in that day with him. And, and thanks to the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative for inviting uh, Mo and myself. It's it, it was It was a pleasure. And. Had a good time, had a good lunch, thanks to the, the culinary folks from Columbia Central High School who really put on today. They really did put on today. That they was, did a great job with that. So, yeah. That was um, well done. So, we are ready for a nap and rushing. So, yeah. We're going to try to make it through this show without falling asleep or trying to figure something else out. But mm -hmm. we do have, uh, of course, Heather Williams will join us as we talk about NASCAR. We have, of course, the championship race coming up that will not that will not include any Hamlin 
and we're going to have to talk to Heather today. Denny didn't have a great weekend, did he? No, but the person that she said was the worst at Martinsville won the darn race. <laughs> Are you sure you want to bring that up with Heather? So I'm just saying like, hey, you had my hopes up for somebody in the bottom four to get in, and they didn't because Ryan Blaney won the stinking race. Like, what happened? And, and she may be able to tell us what happened. Because, hey, who knows? She'll Maybe, have an idea. She'll have an idea of what happened. She went, I believe. I believe she went. I mean, it's in Virginia. It's not yeah. like it was that. Well, I, I tell you what. Have you driven through Virginia? Not, no. But I, I mean, driven, I have. I've but. driven from here to Virginia Beach. Once you get into Virginia, Virginia Beach is still not close, just for what it's worth. Yeah, I, Virginia's a big area. I mean, it's, yeah. it's no Texas or anything, but it's big. It's big, yeah. It's so. <laughs> like those people from the, from the UK who are like, no, I don't live close to London. You're two and a half hours away from London. That's close. Like, I don't think you understand. And conversely, people that think that it's a hop, skip, and a jump from Nashville to Knoxville. Yeah, it's farther now. now no, so you don't I, just pop over there. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, we got a lot to get to today. Let's do it. We do have some results, very few results, and very small schedule, but we have it on today's rundown. This is the rundown. Women's college basketball action from Tuesday night. Freed Hardeman with a 57-42 win over UT Southern. On the men's side, Freed Hardeman completed the sweep with an 83-67 win over the Firehawks. And in exhibition play, Tennessee defeated Lenore Ryan 90-48. Maction, Central Michigan with a 37-31 win over Northern Illinois. Toledo downs Buffalo 31-13. Snow at both. Snowed it both. Yes, yes. Happy Halloween. On the ice, it was Vancouver with a 5-2 win over the Predators, dropping the Predators record in Vancouver to 16-24 and 2. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Not so good last night. Um, World Series game four. Rangers scored five runs in back-to-back -back innings. Diamondbacks scored four runs late, but it wasn't enough as Texas took a one lead in the series. Remaining undefeated on the road in the postseason. Yeah. 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 Major League Baseball tonight, as most said, it is game five, and it's 7.03 on Fox tonight in Arizona. NBA action tonight. The Grizzlies are at the Jazz, and that's going to be at – Eight o'clock tonight, but we also have, in addition to that, at six o'clock, Portland is at Detroit. Milwaukee's at Toronto at six thirty. The Wizards are in Atlanta. Indiana is at Boston and the Celtics. Heat hosting the Nets. Knicks at home against the Cavs, and the Pelicans are at the Thunder at seven o'clock. The Hornets go to the Rockets. The Nuggets visit the Timberwolves at 7.30. The Bulls are at the Mavericks. And at 9 o'clock tonight, the Kings are at the Warriors. And on ESPN at 9, you can catch the Clippers and Lakers. I would say at the Lakers. I guess technically it will be because it will have Lakers insignias on the floor. But mm -hmm. it's 
what is it? Their Cooper? arena. Yeah, whatever. That so is. <laughs> it's they play at the same arena. It's it's a what it's, it's technically the it is a Lakers, Lakers home, home game, game, but but they're both at home. But they're both at home. So yeah. whatever. And you can see it at nine o'clock tonight. And then finally, more action. More action. Don't know if it'll be snowing in Bowling Green tonight, but we'll find out at or, six o'clock on ESPN two as they host Ball State. Or Akron. <laughs> it may be it, it, more likely in Akron than in Something Bowling for Green. The north. But Akron hosts Kent State at six thirty on ESPNU, and that is your rundown. <laughs> Top Stories brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly and Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Make sure to go find uh, delicious lunch there or fresh hand-cut meats, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. Again, it's Piggly Wiggly and Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Mo, Chris. the Tennessee Sports Riders Association, as it does each week, mm -hmm. handed out some hardware and announced it yesterday. We like to help them with that announcement each week and we'll do so now sure for the second time this season austin p quarterback mike delello has been named the tennessee sports writers association's offensive player of the week in football Threw for six touchdowns and a 49-39 win over north alabama um completed 20 or 25 passes for 353 yards his fourth 300-yard game of the season. Each of his six touchdowns went to different receivers. They call that spreading the ball around. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, he has thrown for 2,279 yards this season. Fifth best single season mark in program history. And the Govs aren't done, by the way. Um, defensive players of the week. Tennessee State. Defensive lineman Terrell Allen, career high 10 tackles, seven of those solos, four and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, including one on a red zone sack that the Tigers scored off of in a 43-20 win over Lindenwood. It was Allen's third straight multi-sack game. And the six and a half tackles for a loss set a TSU single game record. Tennessee Tech defensive lineman Daniel Rickert forced two fumbles, recovered two fumbles. I don't know if they were the same fumbles or not, and set up two of Tech's three defensive touchdowns in a 38-13 win at Robert Morris. Okay, in the second quarter, he had a strip sack and picked it up. So 20-yard scoop and score there. Um, in the Man. fourth... He forced a fumble on a sack with teammate Aaron Swafford picking it up and going 52 yards for the score. Good Lord. So so both of his forced fumbles, he did not recover, but he recovered one for a scoop and score. Um, he finished with seven total tackles, five solos, two for loss, both sacks. Tech had six turnovers in the game. The third most in a single game in program history. So... Six turnovers in a game, pitch posh for Tennessee Tech. Hmm. That, ain't, that ain't nothing. <laughs> That's just, yeah. just a day at the office. Apparently. Women's soccer, Kings Ella Frolich scored three goals 
on the week. Had two goals and an assist in King's 7-1 win over Erskine. And she also scored a goal in a loss to Belmont Abbey. And in volleyball, Tennessee Tech's Jordan Carlin had 103 assists, 27 digs in Tech's 3-1 victories over Western Illinois. They beat them twice, 3-1, apparently. Um, 12.88 assists and 3.38 digs per set she averaged, along with four kills, three service aces, and a block. And um, let's see, men's soccer. Do we have a men's soccer winner? We do not have a men's soccer winner this week. Not sure why. Maybe nobody will leave. <laughs> Perhaps. But congratulations again to Tennessee Tech's Jordan Carlin, Kings Ella Frolich, and Austin Pease, Mike Delello, Tennessee State's Terrell Allen, and Tennessee Tech's Daniel Rickert for their weekly honors from the Tennessee Sports Writers Association. Top story number two. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, so I woke up this morning and checked Twitter, as, and, you. And, and, as, as I want to do, and I saw a tweet from you that was a repost of a tweet from the NFL. With a with a quote. With a quote. Least. Yeah. <laughs> and and asking. So this has got to be this dude's last head coaching gig, right? It's got. Josh McDaniels fired by the Raiders. Late last night slash early this morning. Uh, I think, it was, I think it was yeah, uh, it was it was probably late last night where he was. Yeah. Early and this morning where, where we, we are. are. Yeah. But um, and, but he wasn't the only one. Mark Davis cleaning house. Well, yeah, because they also fired the GM, and apparently they are going to ride with rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo the rest of the way. So they are Dave Ziegler's out, mm -hmm. general manager Dave Ziegler, and offensive coordinator um, Mike Mick Lombardi. So, yeah. Quarterbacks coach Bo Hardigree will be promoted to offensive coordinator. Bo Hardigree. That name sounds familiar. I'm glad it does to you. I've never heard of the guy. I think he's from West Tennessee. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. That would give us a – there's always a Nashville connection. Or, or Tennessee. I don't, I don't know the guy. 39 years old, Jackson, Tennessee. Jackson, Jackson Central, Central Mary. Mary. About that, wow! Played <laughs> his wiki says he played quarterback at Tennessee from 04 to 07. If he played, played is doing a lot of work right there. <laughs> yeah, how about that one. He, he he might have been on the team. Um, he was a grad assistant at Duke. Under went, went over there with cut under cut yeah. Um, intern at LSU. And then he got into the NFL with Denver in 2014 as offensive quality 2014. control. 2014. Is there is there a reason he might have been in Denver in 2014? Ah. Was that not Peyton's final year with the Broncos? That 
makes sense. Wow. Um, huh. Offensive assistant with the Bears in 15. Quarterbacks coach in Miami from 16 to 18. Two years with the Jets as an offensive assistant. One year with the Patriots as an offensive assistant. Has been in Vegas for the last two years. Goodness. Hey, right place, right time. I ain't mad at him. But I would like to know who who is who did start for UT for from 04 to 07. That would be that would be the Bo. Uh, what was the the Tyler Bray? What, no, what was uh, the kid that went from Tennessee to Ole Miss? Brent Schaefer. That would have been that era of Tennessee quarterbacks. So, yeah, Brent Schaefer, um, Eric Ainge was a freshman. Rick Clausen's in there. Yeah, Ainge, Ainge ended up taking the job in 04 through Mr. Hardigree's career. Yeah. So in fact, he's not even listed on the, the sportsreference.com. Like there are three quarterbacks listed, Eric Gaines, Rick Clausen, and Brent Schaefer. Playing is doing a lot of work. A lot of work. But hey, he's now the offensive coordinator for the for the Las Vegas Raiders. So, yeah, so he doesn't even need that. But who there, cares? There are a couple of pictures of him wearing number fourteen for UT. Of course, he was you. number fourteen. Of course, he was. It's the best number. Is it? Well, Chris Yao, fourteen. Oh, <laughs> it's the best number. So, man, how about that? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that that there's a. Tennessee connection. How Six five two fifteen. What he was listed at. Can't miss him on the sideline. Goodness gracious, yeah. Signal shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, assistant assistant GM Champ Kelly will serve as interim general manager, mm. and and Antonio Pierce will serve as interim coach. That's another familiar name. I don't know where I know it from. I, you 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 come up with with that one again with, with another. I don't think it's full like that. I mean, gosh, uh, he's from Ontario. Oh, okay, it must played with the Redskins that. and Giants though. He had an eight year career in the NFL. So okay, that's probably where you have linebacker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And played at Arizona. Undrafted. See, undrafted free agents. Justin, you still got a shot. That's right. Heather Williams remembers him from Knoxville. Bo Hardigree, apparently. Bo. Well, I'm glad she does. Good for her. <laughs> That's awesome. That is. I do not. That is a wild. Like I said, I think I remember more from Jackson yeah, than from, I do from, from <laughs> UT. There you go. Man. Well, that, yeah. So this is where the Raiders sit. And. They're not the only ones who are firing coaches today because the Bears have fired David Walker, running backs coach, over workplace behavior, Oh, according to Courtney Cronin of ESPN. Oh, okay. Here's where I know uh, Antonio Pierce from. He was an assistant at Arizona State back when all that stuff was going on. With her? Yeah, right after gotcha. COVID, I think. Gotcha. He was one of those. Uh, gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. 
Yeah, so the Bears are out here dealing with – was it their – some their, coach quit because yeah. of – Was it their defense, defense coordinator? coordinator? Yeah. Quit because of personal issues. And now running backs coach David Walker has been fired due to behavior in the workplace. He's been previously reprimanded by the Bears HR department for workplace conduct. And this is a Oof. second such instance which led to his firing. So goodness. Yeah. Okay. The the NFL is having a day. And and so the Packers said, great time for us to point out that we may or may not be sure about Jordan Love. Seems like a good time to let that information go. The day after the trade deadline. I, look, I what and, are they saying? And here's the thing. So I'm assuming Davis got fired because he didn't make any trades and was going to ride with Garoppolo. And so, anyway. Ziggler, you mean? The Raiders GM? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, but the, yeah. The, 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 the trade deadline is getting a lot of folks today. Apparently. <laughs> it was something, yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Falcons are benching Ritter for Heineke. So Taylor Heineke versus Josh Dobbs on Sunday. Mm. <laughs> it's an absolute just ridiculous week in, in the National Football League. But I, I want to dive deeper into this Packers GM unsure if Jordan Love long-term – future of franchise. I mean, I know we're probably needing to go to a break, but that's... Well, Why would get, you say that? We can get to it in just a minute. we got plenty of time. we got plenty of spots. Okay. So Let, let's we'll let's, just, we'll just let's keep revisit this. This, well, yeah. this and, and, and very simply, this has to be Josh McDaniel's last head coaching gig, right? One would think. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's revisit. We've tried it twice. And it Failed miserably both has times. Has not worked. No, great not only has it not worked, but it's been awful. Oh. Great offensive coordinator. And that's okay. Not a great head coach. Well, great offensive coordinator in New England. Well, yeah, but he did it with everybody he did it with. And it wasn't just Brady. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I give him, I, I'll give him credit for being a great offensive quarter. Just not a good head coach. And you know what? That's just how it goes sometimes. It really does. Let's take a break. Heather is on the line. We'll talk to her about Martinsville and the championship race in Phoenix coming up. So y'all stick around on Main Street Sports Day. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. 
Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mo Patton all dressed up. Wearing the tie, looking fly here on this Wednesday. Yeah, fly he, is is probably he, a little, little yeah, much. I, I, it looks good. Looks good. He, and I'm not the first person to say that today. You're not the first person to say it. I, I think it's just because I so seldom do it. You know, I, I get that. I get that. You know, we we don't wear ties a lot in this business anymore. Used to. Hmm. Yeah. Used to be the, the standard, but I just felt like. Bernard Childress was being honored. I needed to look my best. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, well, so. there's, there's that. And everyone, you know, at least two people talked about, you know, looking up to Bernard wanting a shirt and tie, tie job. job. So <laughs> it turns out that, you know, shirt and tie jobs are cool, even if you don't have to wear a tie. Mm-hmm. So we've got Heather Williams joining us, and she looks her best every day, but. She chooses to join us via audio, which is probably oh, for the best. We're not going to get to see Heather today. That's kind of disappointing. Well, I saw you in your suit, and I am not up to those standards on that day. <laughs> Listen to you. Heather, before we talk NASCAR, I, I want to talk about this little comment in our private chat here. How do oh, you I didn't see. I mean, I just remember he, the, the name being on the team. He didn't oh, okay. do anything. No. <laughs> I mean, he was there. Yes, I remember him being on there. campus occasionally. Yeah, clearly he was there again, as witnessed by a couple of pictures of him on the. Didn't Schaefer wear fourteen? 
Ooh. I'm pretty sure Brent Schaefer wore 14 when he was at Tennessee. Well, you know, given given how much you're you know, right, yeah. He, given how much he played, there could have been more than one fourteen at the time. Exactly. They just put they put fourteen on everybody who was never going to get in the game. <laughs> that's that's how it goes. Well, except Eric Berry. Well, I'm in at quarterback. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, Brent Schaefer was number seven. So anyway, yeah. I, in those like, god in those god awful jerseys with the orange shoulders. Oh. And the white, yeah, yeah. Anyway, not great times. Not great no, times. no. Okay, all right. Let's shift to. We certainly can. The primary purpose of having Heather on the show as our NASCAR correspondent. Let's talk a little NASCAR. Yeah. Because Heather, you said <laughs> that Ryan Blaney struggles. At Martin's Never won there. <laughs> and well, the, that's not true anymore. No, um, it's not. Of course, he hadn't won in a lot of places uh, <laughs> until uh, until Sunday. So you had a really good chance, and except that this guy really wanted the spot in the final four, he went out and got it. Yeah, and the whole Penske team, you know, they were being down this season. You know, it made you. It just also signs pointed to him not being the guy, but. They apparently hit on something here in the last month of the season because not only is is Blaney running better, but the 22 is running much better. And if they had hit on this six weeks ago, he might also be in the conversation for the championship. Uh, They just have really figured some things out. And, you know, there's something to be said about old Mo, old old momentum, because uh, they have it right now. And I consider it him and Larson to be the two favorites going into this final four, although they're pretty close, all four of them. But I, I like those two drivers the best going into the weekend. Well, you know, this was, this was a really intriguing race and, you know, obviously NASCAR's had its issues with, with this car in you know, on tracks like Martinsville. But, you know, when you have what you have on the line, it certainly gets a little easier to watch because there was a lot of drama throughout the day. Yeah. Just watching, you know, Denny Hamlin drive almost a perfect race and it still not be enough to get into the championship to watch the up and down of William Byron as he fought to stay in the championship after having a huge lead coming in there. Martin Truex Jr., you know, trying to find something, throwing Hail Marys, trying to get track position, whatever. and um, On the pole and everything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fascinating to me because we may look back at this race, this particular race in five years, and see it as the changing of the guards, right? Because when you look at this championship four, Kyle Larson's the oldest at age 31. I mean, this could be a real change for the next generation of NASCAR guys. You know, Harvick's retiring, Amarola's out of a ride, um, and it's likely going to be, you know, these young guys carrying the sport for the next 10 years or so. Um, I think Hamlin probably still has a couple more runs in him. I'm not sure about Truex. I mean, this is really their sport now. And it's kind of, it's neat to see. I mean, 
when you when you think about guys like William Byron and Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, it just it it really feels like these these young dudes are, you know, th- they belong. Sometimes you don't feel like the young guys belong, but these guys belong. Oh yeah, these guys are are definitely. I mean, they're they're close to superstars in their own right right now. Um, you know, without Hamlin and and Harvick and Turex pulling them along. I mean, the most popular driver is Chase Elliott. It's not one of these old guys. So, um, yeah, they're definitely there, but it's just always been, there's always been one of those older guys, you know, because really Logano, even though he's in his mid to late 30s, he's kind of considered to be one of the older guys. He won the championship last year. I mean, there's always been those older guys hanging around, even when the younger guys have won in the championship four, but this year... It's all about the youngsters. And like you mentioned, 39-year-old Eric Amarola is out of Stuart Haas. And and that just, you know, that's just another another name for a, a another ride for a young guy. You know, maybe Noah Gragson or someone to step in and 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 fill that role. Yeah, they're definitely gonna go youth in that in that ride for sure. I I've heard some names, not official. Um, but I think we can all probably connect the dots on who it's going to be. Uh, and yeah, you're going to just see, you know, you've got a young ish. He's a little bit older around 30 and Josh Berry going into Harvick's car, but, um, you're really going to see, you know, the young guys, the young guys take over the sport. It's, it's that time it happens. Every ten years or so, uh, where you turn where you turn guys over. You know, as we look ahead to to Phoenix and the championship, it's it's interesting. You know, obviously the the names are different, but the numbers are familiar, and the teams are familiar. Uh, obviously. Kyle Larson has had success, but it's not unusual to see the 12 and 24, you know, racing for a championship. And I'm curious, you know, how does, how does that play, you know, when you're talking about, you know, guys who are fans of teams rather than just, you know, particular drivers? Well, yeah, it's all the usual suspects, just different drivers, right? I mean, it's Gibbs, it's Penske, uh, it's uh, Hendrick. And, you know, even maybe not the 20 cars specifically, um, but certainly Gibbs has been in that in that mix as well. Um, you know, Christopher Bell was in the Final Four last year, so he's got experience in this situation, much like Kyle Larson does. Uh, you know, it's it's generally going to be that way you know with these top four or five organizations in the championship four because i mean it just takes resources and 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 engineering and things that while a team like a front row motorsports can make a nice playoff run they're probably not going to get in the final four you know roush fenway because had a pretty good season this year but they're probably still a little bit away from Unless, you know, unless you win a race or, or find a little luck along the way, they're probably, as you saw by how 
Chris Buescher, who was the hottest guy coming into the playoffs, but really didn't have much performance at all once he got in the playoffs. I mean, it just kicks to another level. It, it's like the playoffs in every sport. People find another gear. Teams that weren't necessarily the front runners all year. Hello, Texas Rangers. We're all of a sudden finding a second gear in the postseason. And, you know, here we are. So, Heather, let me ask you, and Chris could probably answer this as well, but Chris isn't the NASCAR correspondent for this show. Um, <laughs> the championship four is Larson, Bell, Blaney, and Byron going into Phoenix. Correct. Whichever one of them wins this race wins the championship. Whoever right? finishes the highest in, in the, the highest. race. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you. If, if a non-playoff driver wins the race, the the highest of those four finishers is your NASCAR champion for 2023. Yeah, I mean, if they all have, have a massive wreck on lap one and finish, you know, 30, you know, 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st, mm-hmm. whoever finished 28th is your champion. Wow. Okay. Okay. Would be it's, pretty anticlimactic if the four of them are not would, running, though, right? It, it, and unusual because I believe every every champion has won this race since they went to this format. So that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. But I mean, it just do you means, think there's? I mean, are, are are other guys? I mean, is there a reason for that? Are other guys in you know kind of laying off or? Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I, I certainly think that drivers don't want to be the guy, the know, guy who wrecks somebody. Wrecks somebody who's running for a championship, right? Mm. Like the last thing Bubba Wallace wants to do is spin out uh, Ryan Blaney since they're friends. I'll use them, you know, even on accident and put him in the wall and and his championship hopes. So I think a little bit, but also, I mean, cream rises to the top. And Phoenix is the kind of track where driver matters as much as horsepower as a short track. So these are the best four drivers. And so those guys are going to find themselves at the front more often than not. I think that's, that, that's absolutely true. Outside of this race, have you gotten a chance to see the Mustang Dark Horse run? I have not. I have not. But, man, it looks good. <laughs> it does look cool. <laughs> is that – are the the hood vents – is that going to actually be on the NASCAR, on the cars? I mean, I don't know if they'll be elevated. Usually they try to make those bodies look as much as, you know – what they look like, they might be stickered on there or something. I'm not sure because I haven't seen them in person. But they do now, especially the next gen, really try to make those noses and those bodies look a lot more like the actual cars that they're modern after. I mean, I would guess probably not unless the other two cars had some kind of similar thing because it would be either an advantage or a disadvantage aerodynamically to the cars. So I would say they're probably not. Okay. Well, they and, and those may be stickers. I, yeah, just, my guess is that they are, um, because you know when you look at the fronts of the the grills of those cars, those are stickers too. Yeah, all the great, uh, you know, headlights and grills and all that kind of stuff. None of that is there. It's just a rounded piece of 
of, uh, well, I guess they're fiber compound at this point, but um, none of that's real. Uh, so it does look good, though. Man, Ford has, has especially in a world where, you know, Mustangs are SUVs now. <laughs> Please, I can't even start on that. I can't. <laughs> it's yeah. so weird. And, and Mavericks are trucks. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> buddy, I got nothing. <laughs> the Ford SUV, look, my dad worked for Ford for uh, 40 years. Um, we're a Ford family. The Mustang SUV is an abomination. I'm sorry. An abomination. Not. not awful yeah I, I i agree with you it is it is just not what you're supposed it's just weird uh and they don't even look good either but whatever yeah. all right so what do we expect this weekend good racing good weather yes for sure i you know i, I we didn't even really talk about i think that the they hit on a little bit of something in the short tracks. Like I thought Martinsville was a fairly decent short track race. Oh, yeah. Greatest Martinsville race of all time. No, but it was better. So I think they hit on something. So I think Phoenix has a chance to be a better race than some of the short tracks have been in recent years in the next gen era of NASCAR. Uh, all four of these guys are good short track racers. Um, and Phoenix is a better track for for Blaney historically than Martinsville has been. It's been a decent track for Christopher Bell. Obviously, Larson won to win the championship there a few years ago. William Byron won there, I believe, in the spring of this year. So, um, you know, I expect all of these guys to come ready to go. I, you know, in my TV show that we recorded a couple days ago that hasn't aired yet. I, I pick, I'm picking Kyle Larson. I think if you give the five car a race at Phoenix, all the Hendrick um, manpower and a two week head start on everyone else, that dude is going to be tough to beat. But I also think, as I mentioned before, Ryan Blaney is the guy who brings in all the confidence, swagger, and momentum. So I expect it to be a lot of fun. I would agree with you. I am looking forward to it. I think, you know, obviously, championship anything is always fun to watch uh, just because there's so much drama involved from the beginning to end, especially in NASCAR when, you know, at any point, a, you know, a fender could fly off and everybody goes down. Who knows? I mean, you just, or a tire particularly, although they fixed the tire issue, it appears, especially for the Fords, which Ron Blaney is, very thankful for, I'm sure. Uh, I think we're all thankful for. Who wants yeah. to start dodging flying tires around? So that's that's been good. I haven't had to talk about that much. So so kudos to fixing that issue. But you never know; it it could happen. Somebody you know. Well, I think I get think that part of that, on. <laughs> I think part of that goes on the on the teams too, right? They're always trying to um, to shortcut Shame. pit stops. And I think the teams got tired of having to lose crew chiefs and crew members. So I think that they have the te- the stops are still lightning quick, but they've gotten better at, at hitting hitting the lug nuts on hard, at better at feeling and understanding when the tires loose before they take off or if they take off and come in back around, um, and just taking their time a little bit. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I would agree with you completely. So looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am probably with you on the five just because 
the experience and he won the first race in the last segment. So that gives him a leg up and all of the other things that go along with the fact that, well, Kyle Wash is just really good at driving cars. Yes. So <laughs> yes, he is. That but is that's certainly a solid pick. Yeah, so. it, it certainly helps. So anyway, we look By the way, on a completely it. unrelated note. What's up? If the Chargers and or uh, Broncos would like to hire Josh McDaniels, I would be for that. <laughs> well, he, he's been in Denver once. I don't think they're going down that road again. No, but it's okay. I, he's better now. But I'm, <laughs> you sound like Rick Pitino trying to talk <laughs> UT into keeping Wade Houston back exactly. in the mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, be, before we do let you go, though, you did reference the Texas Rangers a second ago. Is the um, is the parade in Elizabethan being planned yet? Oh, I'm sure there'll be some sort of party. I haven't I haven't really talked to anyone out there since I talked to his high school coach uh, during the divisional series. So um, I do need to reach back out to to Coach Presnell and see. I know that they are planning on on having he's had planning on having a camp and doing some things uh, in the off season. I think the first thing that he'll probably do is try to find a house. It's my understanding that he's not had a home or even an apartment since he left Double A. So. Oh wow, um, we're we're talking about Evan Carter, the Texas Rangers left fielder. All right, to yeah. play yes. left or to play center? Left. I think he plays left. Yeah who actually hit fourth a couple of nights ago. I don't think, I don't know if he hit fourth last night or not, but he was hitting fourth in um, game three as a rookie. Yeah. I think, I I think I saw he was the fourth youngest player to hit cleanup in the world series. So amazing. Yeah. He finally had it. He finally had his hit streak in the postseason broken last night. Yeah. Yeah, after hitting in each of his first 13 games in the postseason, yeah. that's um, that's not bad. And he's still got rookie status, does he not? He does. He was a September call-up, so he will he will be eligible for Rookie of the Year next year. And and got a pretty good head start on it, I guess. So, yeah, I um, would think he would be the preseason favorite. If we did <laughs> polls like we do with college, I would think he would be the, the preseason pick for sure. Yeah, the pride of Elizabeth and Evan Carter. Uh, Jason Witten would like a word, but you well, know. well, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. What have you done for me lately, Jason? Right. <laughs> I come back to coach. How ironic is it, though, that they're both doing it in the Metroplex? That is weird. Yeah, it is. It is kind of uh, ironic, or um, you know, a great coincidence that they're both down there. And I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if Jason isn't, you know at some of those games cheering him on. Yeah, wearing, um, wearing, a, wearing a jersey and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, his his brother is still the head football coach at Elizabeth, and so he's pretty connected in what goes on at that high school. Uh, when he was playing in the NFL, he came back quite a bit for games, but now that he's coaching high school himself, obviously, he doesn't. Um, did Evan play football? Uh, no, he played baseball and basketball. I don't I, – I mean, if he did – he was not an impact player. I do not remember him on the football team. Sort of like Bo Hardiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Heather but Williams. What's so crazy about him in high school was is that he was not really known as a hitter or a fielder. He was a, he was pitcher. a pitcher. Yeah, he was a pitcher. And, you know, when I talked to his to his head coach, uh, Presnell, 
when they were in the vi- divisional series, you know, he he told me that the reason why Evan was not a great hitter in high school is that he was he was too disciplined, right? He would lay off pitches that obviously in the pros or in, even in high level college because he signed with Duke were clearly strikes. But in high school, you know, when your kids are struggling to hit the strike zone, they might give you a pitch four inches off the plate. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't swing at those. Oh. And it would frustrate Evan because he, he, he obviously knows those are not really strikes. Um, mm-hmm. But he just had that kind of discipline even at 14, 15 years old. That's interesting. That is. That is, that is, a, that is, that is a really great tidbit. See, that's what you get here on Main Street Sports today. Interesting tidbits about the World Series. And from our NASCAR course. <laughs> from the NASCAR course. And all of the things that we bring here. Heather, as always, um, pleasure. Glad you're in. Glad we got you on Wednesday so that Sunday could, could sink away by the time that oh, we got you on this show. Oh, because, you had to bring it up, didn't you? Because you and I both were. Probably throwing for different up, reasons, different reasons, but throwing up on Sunday uh, as the Chiefs just. Well, we had something in common with Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't get to watch the game because would have been great long. to know that he had the flu. Yeah, but I mean, the Chiefs had but beaten Denver sixteen straight times. Clearly, that was not going to go on forever. They were due. So, I mean. <laughs> It's the second loss of the year. They're still tied for first in the AFC. I'm not that upset about it. Those those games happen. Now, if it yeah. happens again, then we might have a problem. But one of those games, not a big deal. You're not upset, but Patrick Mahomes only scored six points <laughs> in fantasy. Chris does not care about the Chiefs, Heather. The man had the flu. And, and the thing is, is that but the nobody had, knew. Right. Well, he was on the injury report. I would have started somebody else. But if he's going to play, but see, you here's figure the, he don't have the flu no more. But see, here's the thing. He still played pretty well. You should not yeah, be he really mad did. at Patrick Mahomes. You should be mad at Sky Moore. No, they <laughs> they really – he really didn't play poorly. I mean, outside of, you know, the fumble. But, yeah, he didn't play poorly at all. It was just – I mean, my favorite a, comment about the – Just in score. Yeah, my favorite comment. Yeah, but he had two touchdowns dropped. Yeah. I mean, my favorite comment on the weekend was, uh, "Good news is for Sky Moore, he won't catch the flu from Patrick Mahomes because he can't catch anything from Patrick Mahomes." Wow, that's great. That's a good one. On that's that a really good one, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll end on that one. But we always, will. Heather, thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, guys. Thanks. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll revisit the NFL discussion, and some big news out of Nashville in professional football. So stick around. Main Street Sports State, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn & Joint, back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated cost plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao. Mo Patton, it is Wild and Wacky Wednesday, and let's revisit a conversation that we just had a little bit earlier and didn't get to finish about the Packers and Jordan Love, because there are reports out there that Jordan Love may or may not be the future at quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. He's got another year left on his deal, according to ESPN.com. But they would is rather. That, is that the fifth year option? Because he was a rookie. This is his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Is that the fifth year option? I or, guess. So they may or may not exercise said option. Interesting. Okay. They would rather it not take more than this season to know whether he's the answer. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I. And I, I have to say, I've not kept up enough with Green Bay. Maybe I should call Jody. I, don't I was going to say. I've not kept up does. enough with Green Bay to know whether whether this uncertainty is founded or unfounded. Opponents have outscored Green Bay 73-9 to in the first half of the past five games. Okay. Minus 59 first half point total. First half point differential is tied for second worst in the NFL. 
plus 42 in the second half, which is the second best in the league. GM Brian Gutenkunst describes Love's play as a little up and down, and I guess those numbers would indicate that. Yeah, but doesn't Jordan Love have the same issue that Aaron Rodgers always fought? He ain't got nobody else. Is it you got Watson? Is it Dalbs? D-O-U-B-S, whatever. Fourth-year tight end, Jose DeGora, is the only receiver or tight end with more than two years of experience. I mean, maybe those guys are good, but we don't really know. I mean, I've seen I've seen Watson drop some sure touchdowns. He's last in completion rate among the 32 qualifying quarterbacks. The only one... Um, well, he's ahead of just behind the Jets, Zach Wilson. You don't want to be behind Zach Wilson in anything. But okay, so I'm gonna I'm I'm looking here. Okay. They have they have them listed with just one drop on the year. Hmm. So there you go. Good coosts, I, I don't know exactly how you pronounce that. G-U-T-E-K-U-N-S-T. The GM's comments came two days after coach Matt LaFleur said it's been difficult to evaluate love to this point. I think in order to do that, I think everybody's got to play better around him, quite frankly, LaFleur said Monday. Are there some things he can do better? Absolutely. I think he'd be the first to tell you. Are there some things we can do as a staff to help our guys? Absolutely. And then when there are plays to be made, we've got to make the plays. But it all comes back to the quarterback, I guess. Well, I mean, quarterback is always going to get the the most praise and the most blame. I mean, and that's that's what we've seen with Ryan Tannehill over the last couple of years. I mean, he's, you know, despite all of the issues that the Titans have had, he gets a lot of the blame, and then that's what's happening in Green Bay. But look, the fact is that if you didn't think Green Bay was going to struggle this year, you weren't. You being weren't paying attention. You weren't being honest with yourself. Yeah. yeah. And and if Packers fans are turning on the team because of this season, that's ridiculous. I don't think Packers fans turn on the team for anything. No, I don't think so. The Packers appear headed for a top 10 draft pick this offseason unless they can turn things around beginning with Sunday's game against the Rams, which could be a good place to turn things around, by the way. Um, yeah, it'll give you certainly an, op- an opportunity. With Tuesday's trade of Rasul Douglas to the Bills, they picked up a 2024 third-round pick. So Green Bay will have five picks in the first three rounds, which gives them plenty of flexibility if they need to pick another quarterback. How many quarterbacks are there in this draft becomes the question because it sounds like a lot of people are going to be in that mix. A lot. I hope Uh, so. The the, the 2024 quarterback draft class includes Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Riley Leonard, J.J. McCarthy, 
Michael Pratt of Tulane, Jaden Daniels, Quinn Ewers. Yeah. It's, it's as deep of a quarterback draft as we've ever seen. I can't think of one that was this, that was 10 deep. Well, that's good. So if you're in the Hopefully market, Hopefully they can all play. And that's one reason that the Titans need to figure out yeah. if Will Levis is there. Is the guy. Because there's an opportunity there if he's not. Well, and, and I think that, you know, that's what we have talked about, thought about throughout this season since we didn't really get to see Will Levis during the preseason and we felt like fairly or otherwise, we had seen all of Malik Willis we needed to see. We need to see Levis just to know because if they need another, if they don't have their quarterback on the roster, they got to go get one. They're not going to go sign a free agent. So they got to draft one. So they got to know between now and the end of this season if Will Levis is the guy. Absolutely. Um. I'm sure we'll talk more Titans here. We will. In just a second, I guess. Just a moment, because Terry McCormick is standing by, and we'll talk about the Titans and get his top-of-the-hour Titan report right after this on Main Street Sports Today. Stick around. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Terry McCormick bringing you now your daily Titans report. What's up, Terry? Guys, we've been talking a lot about uh, the quarterback situation with Will Levis uh, and his debut, which certainly was very entertaining and very successful. And then, obviously, the trade deadline up until yesterday was a big topic of conversation. But uh, something's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle here, and that's what I want to address today with you guys here on our Daily Titans report brought to you by Zen Sports. Uh, the play of Tier Tart and his return on Sunday, I think that was a much bigger deal than anybody maybe made it out to be because – the two games this guy was gone, you saw the defense kind of not play its best football. But when he comes back, and I'm not saying it's all on him, but when he comes back, he makes a big, big difference. And that's something I think that uh, not only Tart has probably noticed and Brable has probably noticed and Rand Carson has noticed. I'm guessing Drew Rosenhaus has noticed that too. So that's going to be interesting to see once we get to the offseason what they decide they want to do 
uh, with a nose tackle who's about to head into free agency and a guy that they basically uh, developed uh, from the outset as he came in as an undrafted duck. <laughs> you think Drew Rosenhoff noticed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> um, you know, I think if the Titans don't pay Tier Tart, somebody's going to pony up and pay him a pretty sum. And it's, uh, you know, the, the one thing about him, and I think that that's what Mike Brable continues to push him on, is that sometimes he gets a little lax and not quite as motivated as he should be, it appears. But uh, when he's motivated to play and to take his game to another level beyond just being a run stuffer, uh, he's a pretty special player, especially paired in there alongside Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, Terry Tart certainly gives you a little extra in that pass rush that looked really good on Sunday mm -hmm. and could look even better tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. I think that's going to be a very interesting game. I think it has it's shaping up to me, and I know that the you know the Titans are all excited about what Will Levis brought. But when you go on the road to Pittsburgh and on a short week in a hostile environment like that, it's very tough to ask a rookie quarterback to duplicate a performance like that. I think I think this has got the makings of a sixteen to ten type of ball game where. Uh, somebody makes a crucial turnover and somebody cashes in on it, and that's the difference in the ball game. What do you guys think? I'm I'm interested from the standpoint that Kenny Pickett injured his ribs against Jacksonville Sunday and did not return. Mitch Trubisky finished up that game. Pickett says he's going to play Thursday night. Whether it be Pickett or Trubisky, I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes because. You know, this defensive line, when it manages to affect the quarterback, as a certain coach likes to say, it takes a defense to another level. And both those guys are affectable, I would dare say. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if they're deciding between Pickett and Trubisky, they're not having the problem that Bill Walsh had deciding between Joe Montana and Steve Young. Is that fair to say? <laughs> no, I, no, I, I think no, that's, you, a, I, that's I, as fair as it gets. I think you're all over that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's here is something that, that you can uh, be aware of that tomorrow night it's going to be about 45 degrees, but at least it won't be snowing. No. Yeah, another thing too. Yeah. That, that type of weather, you can deal with that. It's not ideal, but that is football weather. And the other thing, too, is at, up there in Pittsburgh at the place formerly known as Heinz Field, it's always going to be Heinz Field to me, no matter what they change the name to. Uh, there's one end that is particularly trouble for field goal kickers. And Nick Folk has not missed a kick all year, but he's going to have a big challenge to keep that streak alive up there in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's used when, to it. Around. And the turf up there is not in real good shape either. The grass up there has been uh, not ideal in times past. In fact, it was kind of messy Sunday when they played the Jaguars. Well, at least he's used to kicking in cold weather. Yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned with Pickett because 45 degrees and, and a rib injury. Yeah. 
that can be tough enough to breathe as it is, and then you're breathing in that cold air. Oh, oh hurt. Yeah, that's, question. that should be fun. That should be fun. Terry, we appreciate it. Uh, obviously, this is this segment is brought to you every day by Zen Sports, so we will definitely let them know that uh, you know, if there's a, if they have a gambling problem, what's the number to call? 1-800-889-9789 is the number. And like I said, it's your Titans Daily Report brought to you by Zen Sports. See you tomorrow, guys. Thanks, right. Terry. We'll take a quick break. And Joseph Sullivan joins us to talk a little college hoops right after this. So stick around. Main Street Sports Days presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. It's the biggest racing show of the year, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Six fast-paced divisions of racing on the quarter mile Friday night. Pole qualifying in three big feature events Saturday night. And the Curb Records Big Machine Vodka Spike Coolers Fall American 400 on Sunday afternoon. Racing starts at 6.30 Friday, 5 o'clock Saturday, and 1 o'clock Sunday. Tickets available at NationalFairgroundSpeedway.Racing or at the gate on race day. It's the 39th All-American 400 weekend, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th. Get your tickets now. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yow, Mo Patton here on this wild and wacky Wednesday. The weirdest and wildest news from across the world will come your way here in just a little bit. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about some college hoops as we have on the line with us our favorite college basketball voice that is joseph sullivan what's going on man long time no talk but it's poop season yeah i haven't talked to you guys since march and it's great to be back on thanks for having me uh uh it's uh monday night it all starts at college basketball people i know are probably preoccupied with other things like the titans but not me i'm ready you are ready. Not only are you ready, but you are helping get people ready with your blog, NashvilleHoops.blog. Um, Thanks I'm for mentioning really look, that. I'm looking forward to catching, keeping up with this thing as this season progresses because, you know, we know that you are a mid-major aficionado, <laughs> as are we. And in your introduction here, says, we're here to talk Nashville Hoops, Belmont, Lipscomb, MTSU, TSU, and Vanderbilt. And, again, if you are a college basketball fan in this area, it would behoove you to find and probably bookmark NashvilleHoops.blog. And, Joe, your name came up last week as we were talking about the NCAA's atrocious decision as it relates to the NIT going forward um i'm not sure you can say anything that we haven't already but give it a shot yeah uh it, probably not and i of course agree with you that i do think it was atrocious and uh i do think this is a uh the beginning of the end probably of uh 
NCAA basketball as we know it, as the football schools uh, decide to take all their teams and play among themselves and not include schools that are mid-majors. And the, uh, at some point, maybe not in my lifetime, I, I hope I don't live to see it. Uh, I'm kidding. It, that uh, the NCAA tournament will not be what we thought it was, that it will just be the, the six, uh, maybe in just the five power schools. I don't know what happens to the Big East. They're not football involved, obviously. Uh, but they're going to take their ball and go home. And I think this is a trial balloon of sorts for it, uh, uh, that they want to exclude mid-majors and uh, from the NIT, not giving them uh, automatic bids if you win a regular season championship. I mean, it's, it's bad enough the selection committee doesn't give these schools respect for the for the big tournament, and at least they had that going for them. If they lost their conference tournament, they would have an NIT bid, and now that's gone too. The disrespect is quite large, I think, and uh, I also think it's tone deaf. I, I just don't think fans like this. I really don't. I think fans would prefer it the way it was, and uh, maybe I'm in, in my own little world uh, and mixed up and wrong. I don't know. That's the way I think. So we agree, uh, right? We we absolutely agree. I mean, I think if you watch the way the nation was captivated by Florida Atlantic's run last year, Loyola's run a few years ago, different things like that, I think that time of year, unless you are UT who has lost to, you know, Loyola and Sister Jean, you, you kind of <laughs> like, you like that underdog, you like that Cinderella, people kind of gravitate to that. And so the NCAA has taken that out of the mix from the NIT standpoint. And, and again, it's just so obvious after you saw three of the four teams in the semifinals of the NIT be North Texas, UAB, and Utah Valley. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. And I guess this is the revenge for this. Uh, uh, it's, uh, because that happened, they felt they had to do this. And look, the NIT in, in, in a grand scheme of things is not that important. I think we can all agree on that. It's an afterthought. Only, you know, uh, people who are obsessed with college basketball really watch it. Uh, I uh, count me in, uh, mm -hmm. but it is, uh, but it just, to me, it seems like it's the trial balloon to do something bigger. And that really will be damaging to college basketball as we know. It feels like the trial balloon, and it feels like the NCAA is just kind of bigfooting mm. this whole situation. It it, it really does. I, uh, I wonder if this isn't a a way for the NCAA to try and keep the olive branch uh, out there hmm. to keep football schools from, from creating their own their own division. You could look at it that way. I mean, I guess that's a possibility. So we're just going to give you everything you want so you'll stay. And the heck with the rest of the membership. I guess you Majors. could look at it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, the other thing that was uh, floated recently is uh, Fox TV trying to start its own postseason tournament in with Vegas. just teams from the uh, in Vegas, just with the uh, schools from the football conferences. Same type of thing, you know, uh, they're going to be beholden to their TV partners. That's where they get the big money. So I, uh, as lousy as that would be, I, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if it, if it went through. Well, here's the thing, though. Again, it's the National Invitational Tournament. NCAA schools, are they, they're not are – they, are they bound to take an NIT bid if they are offered it? No. So they could 
potentially play in this Fox tournament, whether whether or not they're invited to the NIT. So, I mean, I, I guess there's there's that. Yeah, there's lots of teams that have uh, turned down NIT bids. But uh, over the the problem the problem is it, it, because if it, it, let's let's look at these two side by side, you've got Fox who's who's talking about a a Power Six conference only tournament in Las Vegas, or you can go to the NIT where UAB or North Texas or whoever might beat you. You know now your program is getting beaten by mid-majors that further solidifies your place in the world of college basketball. Or you can go over here and you get, you know, if you're, let's say, Wake Forest and you get beat by Illinois, not that big of a deal. That's true. It's true. It's, uh, I think, uh, here's the solution. Uh, we just have to enjoy the NCAA tournament in its present form for as long as we have it. Uh, there you because go. Because I think its days are numbered. Hmm. There you go. Um, Joseph Sullivan, former Boston Globe editor and operator of NashvilleHoops.blog, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, I thought you might ask me about Josh McDaniels today, getting whacked by the Raiders. Oh, well, former. Know. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it. So I think he gets classified as someone who is a, a, a coordinator and not a head coach. There's been a lot of them through the years. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. But, I mean, you, to be a head coach, you got to run the whole team. And uh, I think it's pretty clear that, that it's not the job for him right now. I mean, it, it's he's failed twice miserably. That he has. <laughs> and, miserably. And you said the exact same words. that he Miserably. He failed miserably twice. So. Yes. Anyway. Joe, um, one of the teams that you'll be covering on your blog is Vanderbilt. Yes. What do you make of them as they head into the 23-24 season? I, I think they're uh, a real question mark. I, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, there, there's talk. there was talk last year that they were uh, on the bubble at the end of the year. I, I guess they were. I don't think they're really uh, any kind of a legitimate candidate for the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, I mean, they had some horrible early season losses, including one to Grambling State. And uh, what they've got to do is to, to have any chance at all is to take care of business against the so-called buy games where they're paying people to come to Memorial Gymnasium. Uh, you know, Jerry Stackhouse said at SEC Media Day that uh, they're not going to – he literally said they're going to run it up on these teams because that's the way you improve your net rating. Uh, uh, to, so, uh, of course, I couldn't help but think that he couldn't run it up on Grambling. He lost to him last season. But – uh, I did. I checked in with whether with Joe Lenardi, who's a friend of mine, the uh, ESPN bracketologist. Whether that's actually true, if running it up on these uh, on these types of opponents would help them, and he said it is true that Jerry's correct. That uh, the best way to increase your net writing is net ranking is to beat the spread against the team you're you're playing. Not the well, actually, the Vegas spread often is the, the Pomeroy rankings now, the Ken Palm ratings. So. Uh, that he's right about that goal. So let's hope he can do it. What it comes down to with Vanderbilt is I still think they have a lot of unknown pieces. They have two good guards in uh, Tyreen Lawrence and uh, Ezra Manjohn, but they're, they're, those two players are flawed. Uh, they got to rely on some transfers. A big kid from Notre Dame, but his name is Van Allen Lubin, uh, and a shooter from Lehigh named Evan Taylor. 
I haven't seen these guys plays. I've seen the other uh, four teams that we write about on our blog practice in person. I haven't seen Vanderbilt. I will see them Tuesday night against Presbyterian. Uh, so I'm really unsure, Mo. I wish I could give you a better answer. I would say I'm dubious. That's I, I think uh, I I don't have high hopes. I would say. Tell me about Tennessee State. So Tennessee State, I think, is really interesting. Uh, they got a, uh, they have Marcus Fitzgerald come back to play his fourth year guard, Nashville kid, Pearl Cone High School, and uh, he's very steady. And then they have a transfer from Eastern Illinois. This kid was a newcomer of the year in the OVC, and he transferred from Eastern Illinois to Tennessee State. That gives them a really good backcourt right there, a veteran backcourt. And then uh, Penny Collins, their coach, is very high on this kid named Jarrett Jidoba, who's a transfer from Florida, grad transfer from Florida. He has not done much at Florida. He is huge, seven feet, 300 pounds, and uh, Penny feels he can change the whole program, that he can make a huge difference for them. Uh, and then they need Christian Brown, their forward, who's a transfer from Georgia, but he's been at Tennessee State. This is his third year. They need him to stay healthy. He's a good player. Uh, the OVC is not what the OVC was even two years ago. If they're decent enough, I think they could uh, be a contender in the OVC, and they might make the NCAA tournament. Seven foot 300 isn't something you find walking around in the Ohio Valley Conference. You I mean, sure I do not. Tend, I would tend to agree with Penny that that's a, that's a difference maker. It really could be. Uh, and uh, the practice I watched, he, he, he's pretty uh, – he's not uh, stationary. You know, he's not – he looks like his feet are good and he can get up and down. So uh, uh, I think Penny is uh, always a confident guy. But I think he, he, it's interesting. And the other thing is their schedule is not that challenging. I, I think they can win some games. So I like them. Makes sense. You know, Belmont, as you just said, the OVC, not as strong as it was just two years ago mm -hmm. as Belmont and Murray State left. Belmont picked fifth in the Missouri Valley Conference after finishing tied for third in 2022-23. That's got to be a little culture shock for them. I mean, I know that they knew that the level of competition was going to go up, and that's why they left. But I don't think they expected to be fifth in anybody's league. I, I'll be honest with you. I think, I think they shocked the world last year when they were third. They certainly shocked the Valley. Do you think that they could shock the Valley again? So I, I, I guess the way I described them on the story I wrote on the blog is they are uh... – Intriguing but untested. So, uh, look, they have one. They have a first-team all-league player coming back in Cade Tyson, known quantity. Uh, Keyshawn Davidson is a guard who originally played at Tennessee Tech and then transferred to Belmont. He was hurt all last year with a shoulder mm -hmm. injury, but played through it. He's healthy. He's Oakland a really, kid. Yeah, he's a real solid player. Uh, and they have a sophomore guard, Jacoby Gillespie, who could really bloom <laughs> this year. But mm -hmm. the real key will be this player, Malik Dia, Murphy's, Murfreesboro. Uh, he transferred from Vanderbilt. Like he had a couple of moments at Vanderbilt. Like he had a hit like three threes against Kentucky, as mm -hmm. I recall. And you see the town that when I was at the Belmont practice, he is obviously the biggest, strongest, most talented kid in the gym. And uh, Casey Alexander said to me, he has a chance to be the best player he's had at Belmont. That I can see said, that. I saw him in the East-West All-Star game um, at the end of his senior year coming out of Ensworth. He's about 6'7", 6'8", about 220-ish. And 
He's got, I don't know how it didn't work at Vanderbilt, but he's got it. I mean, handles, shot from the perimeter, can get to the rim. I'm, I'm excited about him at, at Belmont. If he were to fulfill potential, they have a chance to win the MVC, but uh, uh, it, it won't be easy. As you guys said, <laughs> I mean, this is much tougher league than they're used to playing, and there's a lot of good competition in there. Uh, Drake will be very good again. Northern Iowa has everyone back pretty much. Uh, that's, the comp- that's the main competition. Bradley will be good. And the road trips are tough in that league. You're right. That's what I was thinking. You know, as much as the competition, it's the places that you have to go. But they got to come to you, too. Yeah. yeah. It, it ain't as tough coming to Nashville as it is going to northern Iowa and Peoria and places like that, I don't think. No. So I was I was at their tip-off luncheon uh, Monday, and the kids were uh, – the players that were talking talked about, they asked them about the MVC. Steve Lehman asked them about playing the MVC and they talked about going on the road there and how the venues are like, you can't, the OVC can't compare to it. These are big arenas with people in the stands cheering very hard for their home team. It's a different environment and it's a tough place. They're tough road trips there. Arenas, not gyms, as we heard somebody else say. So yeah. 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 Do you know, that'd be a great way. Where do you like, what's the definition of when a gym becomes an arena? You know, it's like a, it's a good question, right? <laughs> it, it really, it's it, well. I mean, that's that's kind of what you know. I, I guess whoever we were talking about with the Pac-12, you know, with, with going to, you know, with 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 Gonzaga going to the Big 12 potentially, you know, going from playing in gyms to playing in arenas mm-hmm. on the road is a big difference every night. So, you know, it's it, it is interesting, but I, I think Belmont certainly has an opportunity to be very very successful this year. We'll see. I think uh, we'll see. I, I want to, You got to. You know, Dia has to come through, mm-hmm. and he has. Ne- he hasn't done it yet. Even at Vanderbilt, just moments. So we shall see. They start Monday night at home against Georgia State. I think. I think the team I'm most interested to hear his perspective on is Middle Tennessee State because we. I think we've heard from Nick McDevitt enough. We've we've heard, heard from, from Nick. We've heard from um, Justin know. Justin Buford. Yes. At CUSA Media Day. What are your thoughts about Middle? I, I heard your interview with uh, Nick. Great guy. Nick, as always, a positive person. And uh, uh, the question I asked him when I talked to him was like, do you make your own schedule? And uh, <laughs> he said, he said his assistant, uh, his assistant, uh, I got to look, look at my notes. Wes Long, I think. Wes Long is his assistant. He does it, but Nick has final approval. And then they uh, should both be fired, right? <laughs> Well, this schedule, it's just very unusual. It's filled with these mid-majors that are really hard. Uh, a lot of more home games, though. Uh, but there are games that could go either way. And there's still a team, and I think the way Nick phrases it, like people that were the fourth, fifth, and sixth guys on the team, now have to be one, two, three. They're all kind of moving up the ladder after being there. And so they've got to they got to do more. And they haven't done more. And these, you know, they have a team coming in next week. Uh, Monday night, they have Northern, Northern Kentucky. Kentucky. Monday night, who's picked to win the Horizon League. Then Thursday night, they have Stephen F. Austin coming in from the WAC, who's picked second in the WAC. And these are, you go on and on, and their whole schedule is filled with these teams picked at the top of these mid-major leagues that could pick you off uh, if you're not playing well. So uh, it could be a doomsday march for them or 
I tell you, the, the reverse is they, if they want all these games, suddenly you might be thinking about that large bid because they collect so many good points, you know, good net rankings. Yeah. I mean, you know, what? they'll win some, they'll lose some is what I think. Sure. But I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you add UAB who is consistently good Missouri state out of the, and Belmont out of the NBC we just talked about. And then they go to St. Mary's. Yeah. That's a great I game mean, to play. You know, they'll lose. Because you know, very few people win there. Speaking of gyms, that's a you know, yeah, that's a, a bandbox, <laughs> the McKean Pavilion out there. It's uh, the other place they go is Southern Utah. So they the uh, CUSA has you guys probably know this, but in the case the listeners don't have this, has an alliance with the Western Athletic Conference. So they play two games against each other, and the the, the, the home game they got with Stephen F. Austin, and the road game is to Southern Utah. Which you know how you get to Southern Utah, you go to nowhere and make a right. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's really really in the middle of nowhere, and they, I don't even know how they're going to get there. It's like a coin flip. You fly you fly to either uh, Phoenix or Vegas, then drive forever. I swear to God. Well, but that being said, tough out of conference schedule should be very competitive in their conference. Yes, I think the C U the C U S A is not as good as it was. I think many of the best teams went to the American, so uh, they have a chance to do well there. But again, uh. I think even worse than Missouri Valley, some of the trips, holy cow, you know, El Paso and New Mexico mm-hmm. State. And these are tough trips. And pretty good teams once you get there. Yes. And it, the two I just mentioned are very good home mm-hmm. teams. There's a great tradition at both those schools. Man, basketball season is getting ready. I'm excited. I, I mean, this is this is going to be a really intriguing year, I think, uh, Joe. It just it feels like one of those years that the, the the top even is is not clear there there's no clear cut hey these are the teams that we think are going to be there at the end of the year and, and 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 nobody's really arguing it everybody is kind of vulnerable right now i think also what makes chris i think i agree with you it's a good point is the name image and likeness as, as much as some of us may cringe at it and i do you know because it's not traditional but the fact is, it has allowed players to return to stay in college and makes all a lot of teams better. Uh, the transfer portal, if you start looking at it like pro free agency, is it becomes an interesting aspect to it. But like it's, you know, 100 tickets in, the seven-footer transfers to Kansas. That makes them a, a super team practically. And then I saw them on TV in an exhibition game Sunday, lose to Illinois. Uh, Illinois looks really good. Uh, so I think there are going to be a lot, lot of really good teams up there. But as you said, no clear cut one. I must admit, if you, if if, uh, if I had to pick a team now to win the national championship, I think I like Duke. Just really like their mix of players. Who is this year's Florida Atlantic, and why is it Florida Atlantic? <laughs> <laughs> their schedule is going to be a lot tougher. They're uh, I, they will not do what they did last year. And it, a lot tougher non-conference, a lot t- and they're, they're in a tougher league with the American. And it's uh, uh, it's funny. The nights I caught them, I, I caught the, the Middle Tennessee beat them, and I was like, eh, so what's the big deal? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and then they went to the Final Four. Uh, I think I, I would I would foresee them leveling leveling off this year, especially. Now you're going to ask me to to uh, to pick a uh, who's going to be the, this year's Florida Atlantic. Uh, it's difficult at this hour. I don't feel completely uh, nationally studied, so to speak. Yeah. But I think Drake is a team in the MDC that uh, has uh, the player of the year back in DeVries. 
and uh, they, t- they brought in a bunch of good transfers. Uh, Drake is a very interesting team. They're the rightful favorite in the MVC, and I think they're going to be very good. They might be someone who could do something like that. The thing about Florida Atlantic, though, Joe, is they get everybody back everybody. From, from that yep. team. And, yes. you know, they lose the element of surprise, obviously. But those guys are – and they're a Final Four team. They are as tested as you can possibly be, and they get everybody back. Yeah, and it's uh, – boy, I tell you, it, it's such a uh, – the margin of error is so thin. Like, I, I was there at the game when they played Memphis in the first round. Game could have gone either way, all, right down to the wire, and they win, and it's like – Me- Memphis could have saved everybody a lot of trouble. <laughs> Definitely a game that could have gone either way, and that's the way the tournament works. You know, no one gets and, through – And now that's there. a conference game. That's right. <laughs> hey, Memphis should be interesting, too. They'll be good. And, hey, I shouldn't leave out Tennessee. They're going to be great. I, you know, they, 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 that exhibition game the other day against uh, Michigan State was very impressive. They, uh, they, they might score some points this year, which, which would really make a difference. We don't want to hear that Tennessee might be great. <laughs> yeah. I got to so, deliver that message. Just, yeah, that's just going to ba- be. Batter ball syndrome is real. <laughs> oh, so yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Joe. As always, it's a pleasure. We will we will certainly be talking with you much more as basketball season continues, and, and we look forward to that. We uh, appreciate you, and again, folks, visit NashvilleHoops.blog because that's where you will find the most comprehensive coverage of Middle Tennessee college basketball. There's no question. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Thanks, Joe. We'll take a break. When we come back, we react to the college football playoff rankings. Should be fun. Right after this, stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
and it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtvj.net. Welcome back again to Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao and Mo Patton here with you on this wild and wacky Wednesday. Again, the weirdest and wildest news coming from across the world. And looking forward to this one as we talk about the college football playoff. And Justin, I don't know if you pulled up new slides or not today, but uh, do have do have the... There it is right there, the rankings. So college football rankings were released last night and also at like 2.56 yesterday on this show when Mo nailed the top four. Got it exactly right. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio or in Florida State. Now, after that, we all kind of got, got a little crazy. But... But you know the top four, and, you know, in a world where there are five undefeated teams, that's not always easy to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just – I feel like there is a perception that Georgia has not played as well as Ohio State to this point. Yeah, I would disagree with that. Yeah, and I, I thought that probably got to the committee. I didn't think they would put – even though – they say conference affiliation doesn't matter. I didn't think they would set up the top four in a way that would possibly have two conference teams playing each other. So, because I'm not sure that Florida State doesn't deserve to be ahead of Michigan. But well, uh, Michigan has has dominated everybody. They ain't played nobody, right? But they've dominated everybody. I mean, Florida State and this, so much. Well, and that's something to be said, I guess, for dominating the folks that you play. Yeah. Even uh, if they're not very good, at least you did what you were supposed to do with them. Yeah, you didn't almost lose to Boston College. <laughs> so I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I I can see where the the thing that I thought was most intriguing to, was Boo Corrigan saying that the Sign stealing allegations were not a college football playoff problem, but an NCAA problem. Well, if it's an NCAA problem, it feels like it would be a college football playoff problem, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> because here's the thing They're, I guess what he's saying games. is if they are eligible for the college football playoff, then we are going to rank them where they deserve to go. Now, if they're not eligible, that's between them and the NCAA. <laughs> and I guess that's, that's, that's fair, but also, is it? Is it real? Is it fair? Is it fair? As we talked about yesterday, yeah, they've dominated everybody, but how? Clearly, they've had some help. <laughs> I don't know how, as a committee, though, you, if nobody else is willing to say how this has been done, I don't know that it's their responsibility to figure it out. Yeah, but. How does it not even come up in conversation? 
How is it not a, a, a part of the conversation? La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, monk, you know, what's the monkey with the hear no evil, see, see no, no evil, yeah, speak no evil? Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of the way it, it is. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know that I love that. But also, I mean, especially when you have another undefeated team that you could have put in. That didn't cheat. That, that clearly is not cheating because they are struggling to beat Stanford and Arizona State. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, maybe that's, you know, who knows? But it just seems silly to me. I, I don't know. After that, though, Oregon being the first one loss. one loss team ranked is a little surprising. And the fact that Washington has the best win of anybody on this board and is not in the top four is almost insane. Think about it. Yeah. You're telling me that I beat the sixth best team and nobody else has beat anybody in the top 10, but I'm not worth number. I'm not worth the top four ranking. Oh, and the top 10, look at you. Look at you splitting hairs because Ohio State beat number 11, Penn State. Yeah, but I mean, Ohio State's number one. Hmm. And that's that's an intriguing way to look at it, I guess. You're, I mean, if you think well, they're I mean, the there was, best team, then... There was... I mean, there are four spots. There are five unbeaten teams. I mean, you... You can't put all five of them up there. And one of them may or may not have cheated to get to be undefeated, and the other one beat the number six team in the country. Oh, by the way, number three's beat nobody in this list. Nobody. But they've beaten the hell out of everybody they played. Because they because apparently they cheated. So, I, I, I mean, that, that, this is what, I mean, if I'm in the room, these are the conversations I'm having. And... Ain't no way I'm voting for Michigan to be in the top four if I'm in the room. You've got one vote. I understand that. <laughs> but I want to know who else was making this conversation, who else was making this argument. Because when they leave, it, it seems as if no one was. Well, somebody was. They are much like the SEC in the, you know, we're going to vote unanimously. United front. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will leave this room. We're all united. We mm -hmm. don't, ain't nobody leaving. But, you know, after that, Texas, Alabama, all have you know. I, I think I think Oregon, Texas, Alabama, and Oklahoma all have a chance to get into the top four. After that, I'm not sure anybody. I mean, Ohio, Ole Miss maybe. I'm sorry, who'd you say again? You up to, to up to the up to nine. Up to nine. I don't know if I don't know if Oklahoma does or not. I mean, they do have the win over Texas, but they've also again got the loss to Kansas and I don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like. Well, I think Alabama would have to, would have to be out. I think Alabama would have to lose an SEC championship game or something. I think that, you know, Oregon would have to not make the PAC 12 championship game. And then Washington would have to lose the PAC 12 championship game. And I think it would be a very, uh, it's a long, it's the longest of longs shots, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, Ole Miss could do it if Alabama was to lose to LSU and Ole Miss doesn't lose again and then they beat Georgia in the SEC Championship game. I guess they could get in. They only have the one loss to Alabama. So, let me run through this. Of course, they got to play Georgia, by the way. 
They play Georgia in the regular season. Let me run through this college football playoff committee for you. Okay. Chris Alt, um, former coach in Nevada, I believe. Mitch Barnhart, <laughs> I'm Kentucky <laughs> AD. Book <laughs> Oregon. NC State, right. Chet Glad, yeah, Book Oregon from NC State, I'm pretty sure. Um, Chet Gladchuck, um, Navy AD. Um, I'm sorry. No wonder Notre Dame's so far down. Jim Grobe, Mark Harlan, who I'm not familiar with, and I'm having to click on. Okay, he's Utah's AD. Okay. Ward Manuel. Okay. Athletics director at the University of Michigan. Um. So I mean, who who do you feel like? That's not the entirety of it. Um, I don't recognize very many of these other names. But uh, Miami you, of Ohio, AD. Uh, I'm trying to. Joe Taylor, his former coach at Hampton. <laughs> How about Will Shields, the mm -hmm. owner and operator of a gymnasium and sports facility in Kansas? There we go. Because that guy. Uh, Kansas State AD, Rod West, who is, again, the president of a utility and operations for energy company. And former and, Sports Illustrated, maybe, journalist, Kelly Whiteside. Spent 14 years with, with Gannett. Well, and was also, with, was also with Sports Illustrated and the New York Times. Okay. Um, so, um, does he have I, to leave the room when they talk about Michigan? I don't know, but I, my, my question where I was trying to go with that was who do you feel like that bunch is most likely to bring up Michigan in the manner that you did? Nobody. Cause That's, there's nobody out West. Yeah. Utah, maybe. So maybe Utah's guy. I don't know. Maybe Utah's guy, but maybe not. So I don't know. So I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it comes up, whether it should or not. I don't know what, that it does. I'm amending my statement that Ole Miss can certainly find their way to the top four. I mean, if they beat Georgia in the regular season mm -hmm. and then win the SEC championship and their only losses to Alabama. Of course, if, if they may not win the SEC championship, if Alabama wins out, Ole Miss doesn't go to the SEC championship, even if they do win out. That's true. Even if they beat Georgia, wouldn't that be something? It would still be Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship mm -hmm. game. So I, I, I don't know, but I still think I think Ole Miss could, with some help, play its way in. That's it. I mean, I don't think you're going to see, you know, Penn State. I don't think you're going to see Missouri, Louisville. Certainly not two loss LSU, two loss Notre Dame, two loss Oregon State, two loss. Tennessee. Are you surprised that Tennessee is behind Oregon State? You know, I've, I've not dissected either of them to the point. I mean, I just wasn't expecting to see either of them in the top 10, and so I hadn't really been concerned. And, and uh, I don't really know what it necessarily matters. Um, yeah, at 16 and 17. After, after 10, it really doesn't matter, I don't think. But but boy, if you, you know, when, when you look at this thinking about next year. When it's 12 teams? 
Then it gets real interesting. Now, Tulane is the top-ranked G5 team. We said that that was going to happen, and it did. So nailed that one. Uh, But, yeah, you you could – I mean, you're thinking – and here's the thing is Missouri gets knocked out in favor of Tulane. They'd be the 12th team instead of of Missouri. As of right now. And honestly, let's think about this. As of right now, everybody talks about, well, there's an argument at every – at every cutoff. Mm-hmm. Is there really an argument at Penn State and Missouri? I don't know that there is. No. I, I don't think anybody would argue, oh, Missouri deserves to get in over Penn State right now. No. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it. About and, going to 12. And then the 12 that you get, this is, I mean, that's as good as it gets. Any of those 12 could win the national championship in a, in a college football playoff. In a playoff scenario, yeah. And, again, if you insert Tulane for Missouri right there, yeah, take that and roll. I'm good with that. I am, too. I, I think that, that – So it's that would be that year. It's not going to be that way every year. It's probably going to be that way in three weeks when, you know, when some of these games get played. You know, but, if Georgia romps Ole Miss, then, you know, Ole Miss clearly doesn't deserve. But – but under this scenario here, what you've got is in a 12-team playoff, you would have Washington and Tulane. Mm-hmm. No, you would not. You would actually have Michigan and Tulane. That's right, because the conference G5 champion. team is going to. Well, the conference champion. So the top four would actually be conference champions, and Michigan and Ohio State can't both be conference champions. So Washington would be the four. Florida State would be the three. Okay. And so you'd have Michigan, Tulane, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, Ole Miss, Alabama, Oklahoma. Bunch of SEC games mm-hmm. in the middle. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's what you would get. I mean, you don't think that Tulane could beat Michigan? I do. Well, I mean. For a team that hasn't played anybody to this point, get them into the fourth quarter and see what happens. Sure. And use wristbands. And, you know, Oregon-Penn State would be a fantastic football game. A Big Ten preview. Yeah, right. But would be a fantastic game. And, I mean, obviously, Alabama-Oklahoma would be in Texas Ole Miss. Are you kidding me? This would be the most exciting weekend in the history of college football. Yeah, if that were to take place. So I'm looking forward to the 12-team playoff. I don't care if you are or not. <laughs> it's not very Looking nice. at you, at CFB nerds. <laughs> Love those guys. Disagree with them on the playoff. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, so I, I, I think I think as outside of Michigan, I think they got it as right as they could get it. Mm-hmm. There's no chance of having Michigan in the top. But again, it's going to work itself out. Yeah, it's going to work itself out. Exactly. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. 
Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. <laughs> Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It's time now to take a look at the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. And Mo will start out in Utah. Because. Southern Utah? <laughs> the middle of nowhere, Utah. I don't know where the city of Grantsville is. Grantsville, Utah. Grantsville, Utah. Better if they named it after Ulysses. I was wondering about that. <laughs> I don't know. Where, where is Grantsville, Utah? Um, uh, it's, it's it's located in Tool County, south of I eighty. Oh, south of I eighty. There's some name for George D. Grant. You know, oh George D. Grant. Yeah, George D. Part of the Salt Lake City Metropolitan Statistical gotcha. Area, so it's like a suburb. I guess. Well. It's against city code to attach anything to a street sign. Uh, so like lost pet signs, that kind of thing, can't do it. Or skeletons who appear appear to be pole dancing. 
can't do that either. Pole dancing still on the stop sign. That's probably not a good idea, even if you can put things <laughs> on a street sign. But okay. Here's the worst part: is it was <laughs> it was actually kind of close to a school. <laughs> It's now been moved to a front yard and features a new pole for the dancing skeleton. Uh, the, the display split the community, the outlet reported. Split the community? According to Fox 13, yeah. Some deeming it inappropriate while others bought their own decorations and left money in the tip jar. It's Utah, man, so who knows? Oh, man. <laughs> That's so good. That's funny. Hey. Your buddy is back in the news. You bet. Otter 841. Oh, no. Flipping over more boats. No, it is not stealing uh, it's not stealing surfboards, flipping over boats. It actually gave birth. Maybe that's... <laughs> Don't even go there. We have women who watch this show. But... They will. They will secretly agree with you. <laughs> yes, that is why. <laughs> There's no question. That is 100% why she was stealing the surfboards and flipping over boats <laughs> and evading capture. <laughs> well, at least we got an explanation. <laughs> it didn't make sense otherwise. Now we know. The rest of the story. This <laughs> bar he was oh. oh man. Oh. No attempts mm. or plans to capture Sea Otter eight four one any longer. Or her offspring. Or her pup. That's right. <laughs> otter eight four one plus one. Fish and wildlife pauses efforts to capture surfboard stealing otter after she gives birth to to pup. Yeah, they're like, oh, we <laughs> infamous it. Otter eight four one has a new partner in crime. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, Mo, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how how much you know about it, but wait a minute. Sydney, wait, oh, wait. Go I'm, ahead. I'm sorry. We we can't leave Otter eight four one just yet because the L.A. Times. Um, well, the story doesn't use the lead in. Santa Cruz's Sea Otter 841 has given birth to a wee pup, suggesting that her erratic behavior could have been hormonally driven. No. There Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I just had to get that in. All right. So, St. Augustine, Florida, for $45, Mo, you can get a ticket to the inaugural. Florida Man Games. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Will there be lawnmower races there will in be this? Everything that you can think of in the Florida Man Games. Let's, let's oh. just go take a look at what type of games you can, in fact, expect. Weaponized pool noodle mud duel. The evading arrest obstacle course. <laughs> where you can jump over fences through backyards and away from actual police officers to earn your freedom. The Category 5 Cash Grab. Subject yourself to Category 5 wins as you scramble to get as much cash as you can. 
a catalytic converter, two bikes, and a handful of copper pipes race against time. The Beer Belly Florida Sumo. And the judges for said events will be Dan Clark and Lori Fetrick, better known as Nitro and Ice, former American Gladiators. It's going to be amazing. February 24th, 2024. Francis Fields, St. Augustine. It is the, the, the country's oldest city will host the country's most exciting games. Wow. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Tomorrow we have David Oven as well as Kit Hartsfield who will take his Mount Pleasant Tigers to Parsons, Tennessee to take on Decatur County Riverside on Coach's Corner. So come back tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We will see you then.